Welcome to the First Impressions Podcast, the official podcast of the Forum of Incident Response and Security Teams. Every month, Chris John Riley and myself, Martin McKay, share informal conversations with security professionals from around the globe. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers alone, and any sarcasm you hear is purely intentional. For more information on FIRST or this podcast, please check out FIRST.org. Hello, today Chris and I are joined by Vinay Bonsal, who is the CTO of the Cisco C-Cert and also Cisco's representative as the Diamond Sponsor for the first event this year. Welcome to the show, and Vinay, why does Cisco believe in FIRST enough to be our Diamond Sponsor? Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here. So I know Cisco has been participating with the first since 1991, right? Almost 30 plus years. And it's my first chance to be here and I'm actually excited to be part of it. So especially Cisco and the CSERT organization, because we believe in Cisco has been big on security, as well as there has been a lot of team members from CSERT, starting with Gavin Reed, who have been very passionate about building investigation skills, working across not not only within uh, enterprise organizations, but across different government and national organizations. So FIRST gives us an opportunity to meet with those people and bring all those leaders who have been passionate about that. Along with that, there has been special interest groups, right, which a lot of our technical um, team members have been excited about being partnering. Again, taking Gavin, Jeff Bollinger, Matt Relitus, they have been part of developing the CVSS. We have some of the folks like Adam Weller, who is presenting uh, this week. So folks have been very passionate about uh, being part of the FIRST organization. Now, I know that Cisco, as you mentioned, have been involved for such a long time, and you mentioned a lot of really good things about, about FIRST. I'm particularly interested in you know, being part of the conversation. You mentioned a lot of the SIG's work that's kind of interesting and, and meeting people from other teams. How do you find the information sharing has grown over the years? Do you think it's, it's become a lot more prevalent in the industry as the industry has grown? Yeah, I, I think the growth has been exponential, right? So... What I hear from my colleagues, there were only used to be few folks who will come in these conferences. I think I'm hearing it's 800 plus people joining from 94 countries, right? It's very excited to see all those folks. Second thing is to me, the cybersecurity is is becoming more and more important for all of us, right? It's not, not only nation states, but at the individual level, right? We are so much dependent on technology that ensuring that, okay, the security aspects of it, we should be able to respond. So that, that is a growing profession, growing area. So to me, that's the organic growth now. Why the first is becoming important. All the participants who are here are important, right, from the cybersecurity threat increase. Cisco, as well, I think we mentioned earlier when we were talking, that you're very keen on uh, you know, building up that next level of you know, engineer, you know, training people, sharing knowledge. And first is very much about that next generation, bringing new people into the industry. Yeah, sure. And and that, that's part of my uh, role as a CTO for the team. So just giving a quick background. So I've been part of Cisco for 23 plus years, right? So I've worked as a 
architect to some leading some of our cloud offerings as well as in last few years leading the info uh, infosec architecture areas in last three years i've been involved with the c-cert right so in this role so what what i've seen right as part of things evolving both from the side perspective of how the threat landscape is changing. So I'll talk about that. The second aspect is how we respond, how the responders, how the investigators need to be responding. And uh, wh what are the advancements in technology, changes in threat landscape, which is doing it. So if I, st if I look at how the technology aspects are changing, there are some key things which we are seeing, right? So to me, uh, the biggest one which we have seen in recent years is the cloud, right? So a lot of assets, a lot of workloads are moving into the cloud. So I've been spending a lot of time within Cisco on on enabling ourselves, okay, how when we have a number of our services running in the cloud, right, on the public cloud, like AWS, Azure, GCP, as well as some of the services, like there's a dependence on Office 365, Salesforce.com, Workday. So there's a big shift on not running the infrastructures, right? So you have that growth. Now, how you respond to those kind of threats, that's a different skill set that, that requires different kind of investments. So that that's one aspect of how things are changing. Now, especially from the bad guys, threat actors, what we are seeing especially is so we traditionally we have been on okay vulnerabilities right patches to the servers to now when, when you're in the cloud you have shared responsibilities if you're using managed services you are now responsible for configurations so we are seeing a lot more focus on okay how you have hardened configurations rather than patching sometimes is taken care by the provider the other aspect which we are seeing is identity-based attacks right that's a big rise it's like if you have credentials a lot of the integrations with the apis in the back ends so so there's a big change shift in there with the cloud configuration uh, things right now from the response perspective as i think with the chat gpt there is a whole buzzword of ai ml right so we have been actually working for three to four years looking at how we change our um, plays detection plays into what we are calling play as code that's an initiative i'm leading within cisco so we call it play as code because our traditional plays have been regular expression searches in the log now we need we could do much better than that right and that's where the play as code concept comes in which leverages more code, more AI statistics, machine learning capabilities, right, and anomaly detections, they're adding it to the plays. So our plays are much more intelligent and they can go to different services. Currently what happens with our plays is generally uh, the traditional plays are regular expressions, the hated analyst is going to be working on further uh, further identifying, logging into different tools and doing it. So play as code concept will be, okay, you can go in and have the code which can do the API integration, do a of those checks without any human intervention as well as it can look into the past cases and try to actually see okay give some indication to the analyst okay there has been 40 such things and they have been benign or false positive so they get some indicators that okay this is what is in the past so that that reduces the burden on the analyst right and make it make us much faster certainly reducing you know, analyst burnout is mm -hmm. a big thing, right? Mm -hmm. we, if you're asking someone to look at logs every single day and that's their job, after a while you either get a reduced capacity or people just burn out on the job because it's 
a machine is better at doing that. Yeah. They're always going to be better at doing it. We're great as human beings at pattern matching, mm-hmm. but we're not designed to do it day in, day out, every single day. And I think, as you mentioned, there's a lot better ways to do this and then just focus the the human power on the things that jump out and say, hey, this is something that's jumped out. We should take a look at this, not just let's broadly look at it as much as we can. Yeah, that's true. The, the other thing I've been passionate about is skills building, right? So mentoring uh, some of the newer folks within the team. So another another kind of guidance for me for some of the people who are coming into this field as well as building skills, I see a mix of traditional analyst and the development, right? So I see, okay, a sprinkle of the DNA of a programmer or a developer into some of the analyst. And that, that's where, again, going back to play as code where we want, okay, analysts not only able to have those skills to analyze it, but some coding skills. I'm not talking about hardcore developer, but some coding skills so that they can code those logics, right? So they can be better at writing their uh, detection logic right with some of the skills that's an increasing uh, area which i have been trying to push folks to get excited about okay you can you could be much better right doing those rather than your traditional uh, sysadmin network admin backgrounds right so and then and folks have been excited especially uh, within my team right within cisco learning some of those things as well as uh, when they see uh, especially AI ML statistics coming in right where they can leverage okay some trends based on that and there's so many nice packages uh, in Python using Jupyter notebooks and others which the team is very passionate about right so analyst now are traditional analyst and this is kind of where I want to take the team an analyst is not kind of just a regular expression and going to elk stack or splunk or some of that right they have jupyter notebooks so they can write their analysis and once they run it right they have those things in front of them as part of matrix statistics charts so they're well well equipped right in terms of their analysis one of the things you mentioned earlier is the sigs the people like gavin who have been part of the cert the the both the cert community and the first community I think that that's one of the things that this offers is an ability for us to talk to people outside of our teams about the type, the things that we're passionate about for our day jobs, but also take ideas like what you have and kind of put it out there for other people to give feedback on. I mean, is that, I think that's valuable, but how does a corporation like Cisco see that? Do they like having that sort of interaction with the larger community definitely i think that there's a good point right so like like i said it's first time for me to come in right i see a lot of talented people across the globe so it's definitely a good idea to look into adding some of those things right what i'm calling play as code where we say okay we need to bring in capability because i I know people get uh, the whole about AI, ML, chat, GPT, they get excited. But but to me, the, the power is how we leverage it to do better our job, right? We look at, okay, chat, GPT may allow bad guys to write code quickly, write exploits quick, quickly and other things, right? Versus it also gives us capabilities, especially the data science part of it, to become better at our job, right? So back to your point, Anya, definitely I think those could be some things that could be proposed as SIG, right? Okay, can we have some interest group, right, who are looking into that and doing it and even extending what we are doing within Cisco outside? Well, I mean, 
often these things are dual-use technologies, right? Port scanners can be used for good or evil, right? You can check what ports are open on your servers so you know how to secure them, or you can scan a server to figure out how to exploit it. Mm -hmm. AI, ML, and all of these tools are all dual-use technologies. Um, I mean, I think one of the things, as Martin was alluding to, was around sharing information and sharing uh, how we as corporations do certain things. And I think it's very easy for us to think, Everyone knows how to do this. Mm -hmm. But often when you come to an event like FIRST, you meet people who that's the first time here, they're brand new to the industry. Things we take for granted because we've done it for 15, 20, 30 years, other people look at it with amazement. and like, I had no idea this was a thing. I've seen this in a few presentations this time and in previous conferences where people have shared lessons learned that seem very simple when you think about it. But Often it's an eye-opener to a certain portion of the industry, and it's it's great to see large corporations coming in and sharing that kind of information. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, even for me, uh, seeing some of the presentations, especially the one uh, I liked about the vulnerability management, and that's some, something which we are trying to do within Cisco also, because traditionally the vulnerabilities and which of the vulnerabilities are actually exploitable. Mm. Because the truth is there is going to be so many vulnerabilities and you cannot chase it, right? You have to figure it out how to prioritize those things, right? So combination of statistics there again, right? Looking into what are the real exploits and then use statistics and probability to figure it out, right? Which we should be going because at the end of the day, we only have manpower to tackle, let's say, 5 10% of what is actually there. And yeah, the uh, EPSS, yeah, EPSS is, yeah, uh, was, was looking at that work. Yeah. And I think we did an interview with, with uh, Jay Jacobs um, yeah. a few months ago. So listeners, if you're interested, feel free to go back <laughs> in the archives. But it's, it's great to see something taking taking root in organizations because yeah. you can look at the statistics and say this is a great idea but until someone takes it and says and this is how we're going to try and manage vulnerabilities moving forward as a, a possible model it's great to see that coming into organizations yeah and then on the same line similar to the play as code which i was talking about we have another initiative which is on attack surface management right and i, I see actually number of uh, uh, vendors on the floor which are trying to actually put some uh, products around it. But the, interestingly, that's one idea for last uh, year and a half within Cisco we have been looking at, right? Because traditionally, when we look at uh, our assets, especially with the cloud, with the acquisitions, a company like Cisco, it's very difficult to track all your assets, right? So the truth is we may not know about 25% of the assets because we acquired a company and they didn't register everything or we have things running in the cloud we don't know, right? So it's it's kind of attack surface allows you to look at it from the attacker's perspective. They don't care what's registered, right? So what seems to be from outside belonging to your enterprise, that's kind of your attack surface. And then you use, again, different algorithms, different all the time you're looking into like how your attacks are is looking which is actually different than your traditional things like uh, we use Qualys, Tenable, those kind of things but they are based on what you tell them these are your IP addresses. Yeah, you, so, can't, you can't scan what you don't know and then we're living in an age where parts of your infrastructure are running on third parties Yeah, and exactly. how do you secure things that you didn't even know exist? You have a contract with a company that doesn't necessarily mean that you know that there's issues there. Yeah, so, this, so that that to me is another exciting area, especially in the cybersecurity space where enterprises are going in. And I, it was interesting for me to see some of the vendors trying to do so. It looks like it's not only the problem which we are seeing, but maybe vendors are picking up right and trying to build on it. I mean, I think we'll have jobs for a while. 
but yeah. uh, there's a lot of problems to deal with and I hope that uh, at least First and, and all the members of First are pushing forward on some of these things. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and to me the other thing which I should talk about on the first because cisco being such a big enterprise we have so many aspects of security right it's not not only just i know we call it csert the computer security but just just the say one call it minute part of the areas right so we have to deal with supply chains right across the globe we have to deal with acquisitions people offices the changes in uh, the country-based not only regulations like GDPR, privacy, but also relationships with the country, right? What's going on and how they are seeing it. So coming back to the first, right, I know some of the relationships which are built here, right, with some of the folks in different countries, that, that also helps us, right, to know about those people and be able to reach out to them if needed, right, just to get some perspective from them or at least you know that okay you know someone in that that's another helpful aspect i see especially for a team like a csert for us which extends us thank you very much for taking time out of the conference to sit down and have a chat with us it's been great to chat to you thank you thank you for listening to the first impressions podcast and thanks to this week's guest you can find chris john riley on twitter at Chris John Riley, all one word. You can find me, Martin McKay, on Twitter at MCKEAY. And you can find the first organization at first.org. F I R S T D O T O R G. You can also find more information about First and the First Impressions podcast at first.org. Thanks again for listening.